Welcome to the second in our podcast series. We're still going to be talking about cultural capital following Jules's attendance at the Ofsted Big Conversation in London on Monday, the 18th of March, where these issues were discussed in detail and she's come back with quite a lot of detailed notes to explain what was discussed there and to see what we feel about it all. Welcome to Jules and Rebecca. Hello. Hello. So how are we going to start off then? Definitions again, Jules? Yes, shall I read out some definitions that were put on the big screen when we were at the big conversation? So the big conversation was kind of led by um, Ofsted's early education deputy director, Jill Jones, and um, Leif's Juno Sullivan. Um, And the definitions really read as follows. Cultural capital is the essential knowledge that children need to be educated citizens. And I actually found this later, this is actually a footnote in the early years draft handbook underneath the cultural capital section. Um, And a couple of other statements were children arrive at early years settings with poorer experiences than others in their learning and play. What a setting does through its curriculum and interactions with practitioners potentially makes all the difference for children. It is the role of the setting to ensure that children experience the awe and wonder of the world in which they live through the seven areas of learning. That's really interesting. This educated citizens bit, hasn't, hasn't it always been the case that we've tried to produce this like educated citizens? It doesn't sound like it's a new idea. No, um, and we're both, I mean, awe and wonder, we, in the first podcast we talked yeah. about awe and wonder. That's yeah, something from in the 90s. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think that that's, I'm really happy with that. I'm really happy with awe and wonder because yeah. I think, it's important and it is, it is our role to kind of push children's boundaries and, and give them opportunity to experience things that they haven't necessarily yeah. come across and just in any scope in their life, it's kind of whatever they're doing, whether that's something they're listening to or something they're experiencing or something they're seeing. Yeah. So I'm really happy with all of one, but I'm still struggling with the essential knowledge that children need. Yeah. I feel like that somebody's making a decision that I feel like somewhere that's a curriculum thing that it doesn't need to be given a different term like cultural capital <sighs> no part and parcel of what we're doing anyway yeah yeah and a couple of other things that were kind of talked about whilst we were there by june and jill a couple of other statements cultural capital is the, re- the route to build resilience to deal with what the world can throw at children and um, another one from june was some children have a better edge than others um And uh, Jill said, the experiences and confidence that children need in order to become citizens of the future. So this better edge thing, I think in our previous conversation we were talking about a phrase, was it advantage, to give children advantage? And this better edge doesn't sit calmly with me really, about we trying to set the children up in a competition kind of environment. I I know what she means though. I know that, I mean, at our nursery we have some children who when they're settling and you have those conversations with parents, kind of what is your child used to being left and is used to playing with other children. And they've been to toddler toddler group, they've been to play group, they've been to musical bumps and they've been to baby swimming and all of these kind of enriched activities that are going to encourage them to kind of approach new things with confidence to not have a complete wobble when there's another child playing alongside them. And then you have other children who come to us who've been at home with their parents or with grandparents and they're really settled they're really confident they're really happy 
but they haven't done the baby sw- swimming and and, yeah. and and my worry is that we're saying that one way is better than another way mm, yes. and that mm. that doesn't feel right I mean there was something Jules in your notes about saying that some of the children who kind of done all the stuff they've been the baby singing the baby signing the baby yeah. yoga and the um, express learn Spanish yeah. <laughs> they'd all done that by the time they were two and a half yeah. and actually what they were missing mm. was the warm comforting yeah. stable yeah. home hanging home. around not doing very much just chilling out at home and just yeah. bibbling about in the garden yeah. with your family yeah. planting a few bulbs yeah. um or just being read to at home and cuddled at home by your by members of your own family mm. so i felt there was a kind of a link there to parenting skills if you like or parenting experiences um mm on the day as well and the, the, the big conversation mm-hmm. there seemed to be this link to to um interact how you know multiple interactions with parents rich interactions with parents and yeah i mean we've always we've always come from the the point where the the parent is the child's first educator and some of the parents that you were kind of telling us about the ones who are signing up for absolutely everything in their child's mm-hmm. day is kind of micromanaged by other mm-hmm. adults um well, they don't necessarily get that quality interaction from their parents. Yeah. They're getting it from other adults. Now, is it for us to say what's better or what's worse? Mm, I mean, just... Yeah. Mm. Another word that really came up, which is linked to that, that came up a lot to do with cultural capital, which I don't think we had really um, linked to cultural capital in our previous sort of research into it, was this word resilience um, mm. and the word citizens. This word resilience, and I think Helen, you link that a bit to isn't that sort of characteristics of effective learning? Exactly. Kind of I, I can't unpick that. And today I was looking more about definitions for resilience, and I'm not sure we we're going up the right garden path. To be honest, it links to if you look up resilience in terms of early years education or what schools have put on their websites about resilience, mm. it talks about persistence, and I don't think it's that. I think mm. it's more about the ability to recover from something, a kind of bouncing back yeah. um, capacity to recover quickly from trauma. trauma yeah. or... It feels like a more emotional... A re- exactly. Resilience feels like a more of, of an yeah. emotional thing. It's not where assistance and perseverance... Yeah, it's persistence different. and perseverance is more mm. of a attitude. Yeah. You can... Yes. I think... Whereas resilience is a kind of part of your being, isn't it? Do you of... think you have to experience something to develop resilience whereas you can learn persistence I mean if you think Mm -hmm. of a very small early years child who is trying to fit puzzle pieces together or trying to build a tower and it keeps falling and they have to work out which Mm. way around things go and they need to put the biggest one at the bottom so the tower doesn't fall that's not resilience no no it's not but the child who I mean we don't want to talk about the major traumas, but but the trauma about being left at nursery, left in a setting where yeah. seeing mummy go or daddy go, mm. and being okay, self assured, yeah, yeah, and feeling comfortable yeah. enough in your own skin. Yeah. But then I think that's part of our role as a setting about developing um, secure attachments. Mm. I mean, I think the amount of effort that settings go into. I mean, different settings do it in different ways. I mean, people do home visits. You used to home visits? Yes. Yeah, because yeah. we've never done home right. visits just be- from a kind of managed staff management, safeguarding. It just kind of, it's, it's not something that we've ever done, but, but what we do 
instead is have a kind of unlimited settling period. Yeah. Just you come as often as you like until we're all happy that yeah, this child feels. Exactly that, yeah. yeah, when you feel ready, and some children that's really quickly. It's mm, kind of yeah. two or three sessions, and they kind of yeah, bye mum, and they're away. But others, it can take yeah. weeks, and it's not something because I think that that resilience is an emotional thing. That's not something that you can say right by next Thursday afternoon. You're going to have yeah, we can mm. tick that off the list. Mm. Yeah. We wondered, I think, didn't we, whether it was it was whether there's this relation of cultural capital to life readiness. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I like Because it. some of these words that were being used at the big conversation to do with cultural capital seemed more to be to do yeah. with what we would think of as life readiness. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we spend a long time with the, old, with the preschool children worrying about school readiness, mm. but actually maybe we have a yeah. obligation to do life readiness a bigger picture it's a much view. bigger picture yes. and it's much more of a kind of a holistic view of the child of kind of and it's about everything so if you are the child who's been super spanished and you're already kind of blowing a penny whistle because that's the lesson you've been taken <laughs> to but actually you're a wobbly little soul you're not life ready sure absolutely and i think the other thing that that i picked up um, from the big conversation that perhaps in our previous, our own previous podcast in our research into cultural capital that felt slightly different was that Ofsted seemed keen to step away from this difference, this kind of um, lower income, middle income. Yeah, because well, we found it. That I was, was going to really say, uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm pleased about that because well, I, yeah. it, we can't make no. judgments about that, but that's no, just no. not that's not right. So I'm pleased about that, but. It, but having kind of gone to all the efforts of researching it and discovering that cultural capital is a... It's precisely that. Yeah, it's precisely <laughs> that. socialist theory. It's a, yeah, a yeah. Marxist theory. Yeah. Um, and so it's as though we're trying to use the name, but not an entirely different meaning. Yes. Yeah. Except that it is presented in the documents with a capital with capital letters, isn't it? So it clearly is cultural capital the thing as a thing yeah. it's not just cultural capital no which might mean something different and perhaps that's what is yeah perhaps that is what is meant but not because it's with capital letters we're assuming that it's yeah. a, a sociological theory that's been around since whenever yeah. Yeah. i also wonder does it mean the same thing because this was obviously an early years big conversation to discuss the early mm -hmm. years yes draft framework and in fact in our previous podcast we were looking at it with quite a broad spectrum yeah. not we were looking at it from early years but also across yeah. key stage too yeah. um and i wonder whether it would be interesting to know whether the the kind of whether cultural capital morphs as you move through the key stage and whether it starts to mean something slightly different or whether it remains yes. this this concept of, of you know, the, this essential knowledge that you need to be educated citizens mm. um, and this word resilience that keeps coming in, whether that word resilience would keep coming in as you move through the key stage. So at the meeting on Monday, was it was it mentioned that this might become part of the curriculum or it's a, a kind of top-down approach or the way you interact with children or...? What was any of that mentioned? The curriculum seemed to be the biggest link okay. to cultural capital. It was all okay. to come into the curriculum, and this so what does... are we offering the children yeah. as experiences Absolutely. and content? Exactly. exactly. Okay. It was that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. just looking at that first sentence. The cultural capital is the essential knowledge that children need to be educated citizens 
I wonder whether even if you've just had a to be able to be would make it sit slightly better because what that gives you is the sense that we, we are talking about resilience and perseverance and all of those things, all of those life skills, kind of the mm. emotional strength, but also the kind of um, academic um, desire to learn, the kind of the dispositions to yeah. find out more. Yeah. Yeah. So cultural capital isn't that, but by having access to some of those things, you get to be able to be yeah, educated. Yeah. You don't become educated because of that, but those things yeah. give you a frame of mind mm. that means, I'll give it a go. Yeah. I can go into this yeah. place and not worry about it. I mean, yeah. one of the things we talked about previously was about educated parents were the parents who were happy to go and challenge, to go into yeah. the head confidence, yeah. heads office School. and not yeah. worry about confidence it. Confidence again, mm. isn't it? It comes back to that confidence. I think that's that's right, and I think going back to what you said, Helen, about what what did what did what was the link for cultural capital with everything else that was going on, um, and I think it was the curriculum, but I think it was a route for the curriculum. It was a facilitator for the yeah. curriculum, and I'm just reminded of, of three things that um, June said at the end of the meeting which was she wanted us to go away and think about what does pedagogy mean and it was needing to learn curriculum is the means by which children learn and cultural capital is the route to build resilience to deal with what the world can throw at children yeah so that's kind that's of more, a bit more like is it bouncing back from adversity it's more able it's yeah, yeah. it's giving yeah. you the skill set to go and do it it's not the going and doing it yes yes yeah exactly it is the skills but you you said that Ofsted are still kind of playing around with this and are still kind of saying that they haven't quite got the, the terminology right. Yeah, it was a very open, it really was a conversation and it was a very lively conversation. Which is a great idea, it was isn't it? brilliant so and they were in. very honest, exactly. They were very yeah. honest about, you know, we have, we're have we not sure we've got this exactly right yeah. yet. So well, That is a brilliant thing. I mean, that's what the big conversation was about, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, that, that was about opening a dialogue with Ofsted yeah. so that... Yeah. People, yeah, people who care have got the opportunity yeah. to have an opinion and, and, and share exactly. their views. Exactly. It brings us back to this life readiness, though, doesn't it? I like life readiness. Yeah. Did you just invent that just now, life readiness? Or did I that come up? I invented it. I made it up. <laughs> they are actually <laughs> words. <laughs> I've just made up this word, it's called life. So I, they are actual words, but I think that because yeah. we're very used to school ready. And I think yeah. life ready. Yeah, it's not about academic achievement. No, right? it's it's about the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, somebody can agree with, disagree with you. You don't have to fight yeah. them. Mm. It's that sort of yeah. thing. It's just, it's yeah. okay not to be right yeah. all the time. Yeah. It's yeah. okay to yeah. say you don't like something. And interestingly, again, these these are slightly different. To, that's slightly different to the things that we discussed in the previous podcast that we thought sorry Obi's just sitting on me it's slightly different to the some of the definitions we had researched and come up with in, when we were looking at culture capital to begin with um, which was did seem to be more about the the experiences that gave you knowledge too yeah. and now we're thinking more about the experiences that give you that life readiness to go forward yeah, and just it's it's. I think it's about having that self assuredness. Yeah. That it's okay to be wrong. It's okay not to like something. 
it's okay to like different things to your friend and it's okay to give something a whirl and then change your mind I think it's much more about that yeah whereas if you go back to the things that you were telling us about the meeting from Monday where they say some children have poorer starts yeah well they may not have had as many enrichment experiences but in terms of their openness to do stuff Mm. their feeling of resilience might be about the fact that they I don't know bake cakes every Tuesday afternoon and sometimes they don't work you know sometimes the souffle doesn't rise you know it's it's that kind of and that's okay that doesn't mean you give up baking it means that you have to read the recipe a little bit more carefully Mm. or listen or make sure you've got the oven set to the right temperature yeah one of the other big things that came about in the conversation part around cultural capital at the conversation was this idea of language being very important So one of the people who were there um, brought this up and said, you know, their experience was that they'd been in conversation with someone else and that other person had used a word that they didn't know. And they were talking about this in terms of their own cultural capital as opposed to the other person's Mm -hmm. cultural capital. And in fact, um, Jill was was very positive about this and said, yes, language is is the key, if you like, to cultural capital and building that vocabulary Mm -hmm. um, is clearly going to be quite a big thing within mm. within facilitating cultural capital for our young children. Mm. And again, that's something that we do all the time, working with yeah. early years children, introducing yeah. new vocabulary, yeah. the language of stories, yeah. literature. It, but then again, rare. that brings me back to the child who perhaps hasn't had access to story time at the mm. library and things like that. Um, and one of the things that really interests me is the oral tradition of telling stories. Mm. And you're going to have families for whom books aren't a thing, but the stories that they tell each other that have been handed down through generations. I've got a rich vocabulary. Yeah. yeah. And also, a, a for that child, a culturally... Um, places them yeah. in their culture. If, if, yeah. they don't, if they don't hear those stories and learn those culturally specific words for them and their family, mm, yeah. then they will be lost. I mean, we can't... I think we talked previously about kind of the the 50 best things you should read to your child. It's all, it's all terribly white middle class. <laughs> <laughs> who's to decide? Who, who's to value the, the told story over the book story? which has the most lingu- linguistically valuable words and vocabulary, yeah. you know, who's to decide that? Yeah. It, so it, it brings you, know. you back to, it's, it's not about, it, it's about being open to new things and not just being closed off. So the child who is very uh, content with an oral tradition and, and oral storytelling, um, and that's how things happen, against the person who has had loads of stories read to them. Mm-hmm. They're different. One isn't right, one isn't wrong. They're just different, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So was anything touched on on Monday about uh, the thing we talked about in the last podcast, about is, is this in danger of becoming another British values and... That did come up. Oh, can I buy a flag? Exactly. (laughs) That did absolutely come up. One of the contributors brought that up as part of the discussion, and it was acknowledged by 
by June and by Jill that okay. that, that was got a, to stop a danger that. and a possibility yeah. and we should all be mindful to look out for that and then avoid yeah. it. Um, yeah. Yes, and the, and, the, and the link to British values there was brought up as well. Yeah. Um, so it is definitely going to have to be British values pack here. Yeah. It'd be by your yeah, there was a comment about yeah. the training, wasn't there, that would be available. And I know that yeah. I, I follow several of the early years um, Ofsted team and some of their wider schools team on Twitter. And they're always going on about you don't need to buy in a mock set. Yeah, you don't yes. need to buy in a trainer yeah. for something that actually, if you actually read the guidance, mm. tells you exactly what you need to do and yeah. you don't need to be spending your money on there doing no it. Tricks, and I, are there? Yeah, and I think that that is what the point that was being made there is you don't need yeah. training on mm. cultural capital. Absolutely. But talking of training reminds me, though, that another contributor questioned this idea of, of well, in fact, brought up the very important point that that the cultural capital of members of staff, the educators, was also a really key factor here. And um, that was there was quite a big conversation around that and around the fact that um, staff training and staff development is going to be a, a, an important part of the mm. leadership judgment. Um, and that all links together with cultural capital. We so should there be is using a, the wide variety yeah. of staff cultural capital in the setting. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. that was quite a key point that was that was agreed with. Um, that's, and that's going I mean as a nursery owner that's one of the things that's going to be a real issue when new framework comes out given that there is so much focus on staff development staff training which is we know that that's really important we know the research says children do better when they are looked after and educated by staff who understand what they're doing yeah, and are well trained and highly qualified exactly. yet the decimation of the training locally mm. it's only yeah. going to be the people who can afford to pay for it yeah. that are going yeah. to be able to do it and then you're going to create a whole cultural capital of your own there's going to be a whole little cultural yeah. world yeah. because the actually yeah. the only ones who are going to be able to do it are the ones who can afford it yeah, and that will, in fact, yeah. ironically create a cultural capital divide, won't it? <laughs> Which is the yeah. opposite of yeah. what we're trying to do. Yeah. So anything else you wanted to bring up about the meeting on Monday? No, I don't think so, okay. except to say that it was a really positive and and interesting experience. And I would actually really recommend that people go. I thought it was really worth going right. and listening to what everybody had to say. And it was, yeah, it was good to see... Um, Ofsted being open and not afraid to be a bit vulnerable, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's always she's always up to kind of yeah, absolutely talk to people. I think that's really helpful. It was really good. So if you haven't been to an Ofsted big conversation, sign up now. Um, thank you, Jules and Rebecca. That's the end of our second podcast. Um, we may well be coming back to cultural capital. Who knows? Or uh, that was Obi snoring. Sorry, not one of us. Um. Thank you. We'll uh, arrange podcast three in the not too distant future. Thanks very much.